Yo, welcome back to another episode of Quit Hits, and I definitely want to thank y'all for tuning in once again. Y'all already know who I am. It's your host, it's your boy, Jay or J-Man, whichever one you want to call me, it really don't matter. Now, I'm pretty sure y'all missing football just as much as I am, but uh, to really think about it, y'all, I ain't going to need cap. I ain't really missing football right now because this basketball got my undivided attention, but I know I'm pretty much start missing it soon after the season. But uh, speaking of basketball, the NBA push to the playoffs is getting real serious, so I'm not going to mess around, and I'm going to go ahead and get into my first segment. So this first segment I'm going to go ahead and get into is my Fire Four in the East and West, like I did last episode. But best believe... Some shit done been shaking up since the last time I chopped it up with y'all. So uh, I'm going to start out with the Eastern Conference, and here we go. All right, so we're going to pop this list off. Number four. With the New York Knicks, or the left-handed bandits, as I like to call them. And uh, where do I start with them? I guess I could start with my most improved player this year in Jalen Bronson and his ability to be a quote-unquote adult at the position where an adult is needed the most, which is point guard. You know what I'm saying? His ability to get the Knicks in their sets and get them in the right offense and just being a facilitator and a floor general out there has been huge for him. Um, R.J. Barrett continues to grow. And uh, Julius Randle is back. Playing on that all-star level in which he was playing at the year before last when the Knicks made the playoffs the year before last. Uh, Mitchell Robinson um, has been back anchoring down the middle of the defense for them. And once playoff come, once playoff time comes, excuse me, that'll be huge for them boys. And another component I feel like that gets underrated when we speak about the Knicks, in my opinion is uh, having a seasoned veteran head coach in Tom Thibodeau who has been through a lot of them playoff battles. You know what I'm saying? I believe he made the playoffs one time with the uh, Timberwolves and then going all the way back with D. Rose and them in the Bulls. He's been through them all the way through the Eastern Conference Finals and the semifinals, and he done been through the, all the battles. So I feel like that gives the Knicks uh, maybe a little advantage going into the playoffs. But – uh. Everything I just mentioned, that's why I got the Knicks at four on my list as they sit at number five in the East. Number three. And at number three, I got the Philadelphia 76ers. And the reason I got them at three is the fact that they had one of the top five or six. Hey, maybe I'm even being too modest. Dynamic duos in the league right now in Joel Embiid and James Harden. And I feel like Harden is playing the beautiful role of traditional point guard. So I feel like what he's doing this year is pretty much getting overlooked, along with playing alongside of the absolute dominance of JoJo night in and night out. As he's been playing through injury all year, pretty much. And I always love to see that. Uh, if Tyreek's Maxi. If he can continue to grow in his new role off the bench as the scoring punch for the second unit, for the second unit, excuse me, I feel like they could be really, really dangerous. And uh, a scary thing about Philly 
is that you don't know what Tobias Harris is going to show up, which could be a good and bad thing for that ball club. But uh, also, uh, Doc Rivers, will he be his same stubborn self and fail to make adjustments when adjustments is clearly being made against him? Uh, come playoff time, I would bet my money on him being the same stubborn person, but uh, we shall see. But yeah, that's why I got the Sixers sitting at number three on my fire four list. Which brings me to number, number two, two, which is the Boston Celtics. Now, the injury bug, that it has bitten the Celtics just a touch this year since last time we spoke. And I feel like uh, they have dropped a couple games since then that they would normally grab and quite honestly that they should have grabbed. I still like their overall shooting on any given night. You know what I'm saying? Along with the variety of playmakers they do have outside of JT and JB. You know what I'm saying? Derek White can play mate. Uh, Peyton Pritchard, even though you ain't going to go that deep into the bench, he can play mate. Marcus Smart can play mate. Or like Grant Williams' ability to play make a little bit more than he might get credit for. But uh, they do still have the ability to be a, a top three defensive team in the league um, when they feel like it, of course. Um, and if Robert Williams can stay as healthy as God is willing, then that gives them the defensive anchor um, that they're looking for um, that they had last year when they made their playoff run as well. Um but that gives them the defensive anchor that they need, along with the lob threat combined with all the great shooting that they have centered around that lob threat. And then back to Robert Williams, Robert Williams being that defensive anchor, it allows uh, players like Marcus Smart and Derek White and Grant Williams to um, play with ball pressure um, as freely as possible, knowing that they got a rim protector back there that's going to erase some of their mistakes. So uh, with that being said, that is why I got the Boston Celtics as my number two team on my 5-4 in the East. Number one. Now, my number one team, I'm going to have to go with the Milwaukee Bucks as my number one team in the East. And as y'all may have noticed, it's been a little swip swap with the number one and number two team. As I've highlighted some slight deficiencies I've noticed with the Celtics since the last time we talked. But there's also been some things that have pretty much stood out about this Bucks team uh, as they're getting healthy. Uh, Chris Middleton is coming back to form slowly but surely as he continues to get his basketball legs back up under him. And uh, one of the major things that always stand out to me when I watch Milwaukee is how freaking huge they are and uh, how that causes trouble on both ends of the floor, especially on the glass, both offensively and defensively. Um, they're starting to couple that great defense I spoke about last episode with some scoring and shooting that has been better since the last time I talked to y'all. And if uh, others like Grayson Allen and Javon Carter are knockdown shooters with the addition of Jay Crowder's newly added toughness, um, then the game is only going to get easier for first Giannis and secondly for the Bucks as a whole. And uh, I'm excited to see what they can do come playoff time. So to wrap up the East and put a nice bow on top and give it to you, I got the Knicks at four, 76ers at three, the Celtics at two, and the Bucks at one. And that now leads me to 
the wild, wild west and my fire four in the west. <clears throat> and I'm going to start that off with number four. A new addition to the Western Conference Fire Four in the Memphis Grizzlies, as they currently sit with the two seed. But as I said, they are only number four on my list, and that's for a number of reasons. Yes, they can defend at a high level. Yes, they have a special talent in John Morant, hopefully. And with everything he got going on, you know what I'm saying, off the court, I hope he get that shit figured out before anything. That's first and foremost. And uh, yes, they have gained some experience um, from last year's playoffs. Um, but I think the absence of uh, Steven Adams has been uh, glaring in my opinion. And uh, with them now going to be without Brandon Clark, as I think he um, ruptured or tore his Achilles or something of that nature, um, I see Rebounding being a huge issue for this team, um, which happened to be one of their strengths, actually, prior to, you know, Stephen Adams going down and losing Brandon Clark. Uh, I feel like their confidence and uh, swagger and culture um, is set in place already. And that is what kind of gives them the edge over uh, teams five through whatever in the West. But uh, however, when the playoffs... uh, come in and they play the Warriors, uh, that confidence sometimes turns into arrogance and it comes back to bite them. So that's why I only got them at four and uh, we'll see how the season shakes out. They could climb or, you know what I'm saying, not be on the list as they was in last episode. All right. So that leads me to my third team that I have on my list on my fire four. Number three. And I got the Phoenix Suns as they rise one spot up from four, as I had it last episode. So far, you know what I'm saying? They have gone 3-0 and since Kevin Durant's first game suiting up, um, where they played the Hornets, followed by the Bulls, and then they got a more impressive win over the Mavericks this past Sunday. Um, I'm still a little concerned about the defensive end, uh, but if the Suns can get their big three and a half to play well on a nightly basis, uh, then that'll be, you know, Durant, Book, CP3, and I guess DeAndre Ayton. Um, and then along with whether it be one night Wayne Wright or another night somebody like Shamit or another night somebody like TJ Warren, then they should be poised for a deep playoff run in the West. I am interested to see uh, what they could look like at their peak, though, once all those pieces mesh together over the last 20 games or so that is left in the season. And that takes me to another team that has risen one spot since our last conversation, and that is number two, the Sacramento Kings, as they sit in the third spot in the West, but at number two on my list. Honestly, this could have a slight bias because they have been my absolute favorite team to watch this year. And uh, the pace in which they play and the certainty that they play with on offense, uh, I feel like it's been really, really fun to watch. Uh, Mike Brown has really got them boys humming and, uh, He's helped De'Aaron Fox take another step in his development, in my opinion. 
You know, the only thing with the Kings is that they lack size in the paint defensively. Even though Sabonis is a strong, uh, they got him listed at 7'1". I'm a thousand percent sure he's like 6'10 at best. But, uh, yeah, they can uh, be kind of victim to some points in the paint, which is a big problem, which could be a big problem come playoff time. But I do think that the Kings don't get talked about enough. And uh, the rest of the NBA and the rest of the West better be on notice because I think I think them boys definitely going to have something to say come playoff time. As we get down to the last Mohican, the cream of the crop of my fire four in the West, it does look like it's been a lot of teams sliding up one spot on my list from where I had on the previous episode. So if you've been paying attention, yes, you've guessed it. The number two team I had on my list last episode is now the number one team on my list in the Denver Nuggets. Number one. Uh, the one thing that has stood out about the Nuggets this year, especially over the last couple of weeks or so, uh, is their defense. And reason I know this firsthand is because I ain't hit on now over in their games in about a month when it comes down to the two teams' point totals. And I ain't tried in about two weeks, and it usually ain't because of the Nuggets. But on another note, they look a little tougher physically and mentally than they have ever looked under Mike Malone. And uh, I feel like the emergence of Aaron Gordon and him looking as good if not better than the all-star version of Aaron Gordon uh, that was in Orlando. Uh, and that is because he has a more defined role, seems like. And I feel like him and the young buck, Michael Porter Jr., uh, they are the X factors in determining how far uh, them boys go. And uh, it don't hurt to have the two-time reigning MVP who look like he about to make it a third in Nikola Jokic. So that's uh, the reasons I pretty much got the Denver Nuggets as my number one team and my fire four in the West. And speaking of MVP, y'all already know I can't go this episode without leaning into the MVP race just a little bit. A lot of niggas, and when I say lots, I mean lots have been absolutely balling this year. However, there have been some key players I feel like have separated themselves and has made themselves clear front runners in that award. And if y'all don't know me by now, then I swear y'all ain't been paying attention. Because you know I'm finna make me a list real quick, you dig? So peep the move. This here list I'm finna lay down on y'all real fast, real quick. It's just gonna highlight my three top candidates for most valuable player. You feel me? And you know I gotta go in reverse order. So we gonna kick it off just like this. You ain't no player. Number three. Three. I got the Greek three as my third most valuable player. Know what I'm saying? Giannis is giving these folks 31 points a game, but he himself is only doing this shit in 32 minutes per game which in my opinion is freaking insane. Uh, then to top that off, he the second best rebound in the league with damn near 12 a game. 
He's leading the league in free throw attempts per game. But, you know what I'm saying, I think everybody know he got to knock him down when he get there because he only a 65-plus percent shooter when he actually get there. So, uh, got to tighten that up, especially when they come around and need playoff. But we talking about them players in the regular season. So, But you got to clean that up, big dog. Um, his defensive numbers are a little down from what we used to as far as blocks and steals go, but it's pretty much the same impact, and you can't really, you know what I'm saying, question what he bring to that side of the ball. So all that right there is the reason why I have Giannis as my third most valuable player. You did. Next in line, I got the big fella in Philadelphia as my second most valuable player in the league in Joel Embiid. Now, check this. My boy giving you 33 points a game, and that's good for second in the league, but he doing it in only 35 minutes a game in his own right. Then, in that same amount of time, he going to snag you 10-plus boards a game and that'll have him top 10 in that category. But wait, there's more. He going to knock down 10-plus free throws a game while getting there a whopping 12 times a game. And that math right there will tell you a 7-footer is hitting 85% and a half of his free throws. So you cannot foul him. And all that in the bag with him having his team Top three in a tough-ass Eastern Conference. And, oh, yeah, did I mention he averaging 1.5 blocks per game? I think that'll definitely work on the defensive end and work is having him number two in the most valuable player in the league. Number one. And my number one most valuable player of the 2023 season right now Got to be the already two-time reigning MVP in the boy, Nikola Jokic, or as I like to call him, Yoko, as he got the MVP race in the yoke right now. Now, his points ain't up there with Giannis and Embiid, as he right at like 20th in the league in scoring. Matter of fact, he right at 20th in the league in scoring. But his impact can't be denied or ignored. And uh, even though he ain't up there with them boys in points per game, he third in the league with 11.8 rebounds a game, which is right on the heels of Giannis. Add that, add that with the fact that them boys ain't on his planet as a playmaker because he fourth in the league averaging 10 assists on the nose as a center, ladies and gentlemen. I repeat, as a center. You know what I'm saying? He got the Denver Nuggets first in the West looking like a well-oiled machine. And my eyes, it tell me that it got a lot to do, if not all to do, with Jokic. So, shout out to the boy Nikola, as it looked like he finna go ahead and bring the MVP trophy back to Serbia for the third straight year. And some I done peeped by my list. Can we get some damn Americans back at the top of the league? We letting all these foreign motherfuckers think that the our sport, they have caught up in our sport. As I look at my list, all three of these motherfuckers is foreigners. Um, 
we got to do something about that. We getting in at the top. You got uh Lucas still doing his thing, and you got folks like Sabonis in the league doing their thing, like Jason Tatum, John Morant. Y'all folks stand up, man. Represent for the Americans one time. You did, golly God. <laughs> but nah, in all seriousness, uh, I do believe the NBA is in a good place and in good hands. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot of people uh, are are concerned or alarmed with all the high scoring. Uh, or what they believe is a lack of defense. Um, but the skill level is uh, at an all-time high, along with the shooting and space and play. Um, but during playoff time, or what I like to call planning time, the dogs come out and nip all that unauthentic mess in the bud. I'm saying I'm definitely going to holler at y'all a little bit before they pop off, you know what I'm saying? That is the playoffs. Um, and y'all know I am an awards type of guy. So I'll go over some of the people I think deserve awards other than MVP, you know, coach of the year, six man, shit like that. Um, but uh, as always, y'all know it's been a pleasure. Keep tuning in. Keep sharing. Download this bad boy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts from. You could have been anywhere in the world right now, but of course you're here with me. And it's always appreciated. Until next time, good people. Peace.